baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. I do want to talk about some NBA because there's some breaking news there. We're sneaking up on the midway point. Teams are getting close to having logged 40 games. And our next guest is one of the best in the business covering it. I don't think we've had him on. I think we had him on uh, for a preview show, a preview spot right before the season started. But I don't think we've had him on since the year got underway. Kurt Heelan, lead writer for uh, NBCSports.com and managing editor there for the NBA, jumps aboard with us here on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, Kurt? I, I've been good. How are you guys doing? I, and yeah, you haven't had me on for a while. What, did I send you somehow? No, I that's mean, just like. la- laziness and stupidity on the host's fault <laughs> uh, part. There's nothing more to it than that. Uh, but we're glad to have you on with us tonight. Uh, hey, did Kyrie Irving walk to the abyss, look at the end of the flat earth and go, yeah, no, I better get back to playing basketball? Is that the reason he's returning to the Nets tomorrow? Uh, you know, I... I'm not sure they, they – I love that, first off, that the Nets were like, it is not Bursitis. It is not – I, I don't know where that came from. And then, like, he has a press conference. He's like, oh, yeah, it's Bursitis, whatever. Um, it's, um, he had a cortisone shot. That seemed to be effective. And I think he kind of reached a point where it was – he was going to play now or he was going to have surgery, and he keeps putting off the surgery. And uh, like a lot of players, he's trying to avoid that. And so this is it. He's got to kind of play now and see how it goes. And – See if he can play through the pain. I would imagine to get through now into this, even even you know, even, they're, if, assuming they make the playoffs, they're the eight seed now. Even if they get in, they're kind of a one and done team. He's going to need another shot in there. Does he want to do that a couple times and then have off season surgery, or does he just want to get it done? I, you know, that's an interesting decision. I think that it was more just he didn't want to go under the knife. He wanted to he wanted to get out there and play. I I heard my guy uh, Evan Roberts on FAN today say, "Glad to be getting Kyrie back, but." He's going to play, and then you're going to wonder if he's going to play the next game. And then you wonder if he's going to play the next game. You wonder, is that really productive? Does he have to come back and have a huge game and say, I'm 100% fine? Or is his team, are his teammates going to be looking askance at him for the next month or so because they don't know if he's back or if he's just back temporarily? And he's disruptive. It's more than just, is he back or is it, is it, and is this going to last? He... They have they've gone thirteen and thirteen without him. They've been a decent team uh, with Spencer Dinwiddie running the show because they're moving the ball again. And they you know Karis Levert missed most of that time too. Um, they, you know they they have a structure, they have a system, they have a culture that was pretty selfless and pretty ball moving. And it's been it was a you know they went four and seven when Kyrie was there to start the season because it is radically different when Kyrie Irving did a pound the ball for fifteen seconds. Uh, you know. And, and take his guy one-on-one, and there's a lot more isolation, and there's a lot, it's a very different style than what they've played otherwise. And they've, now they've got to go back to that. It's a complete adjustment to what they've been doing since before Thanksgiving when he went out. So there's going to be some real – there's going to be some downside. There's going to be some adjustments. They brought him back at a spot where I mean, it start, it's a little bit of a soft spot of the schedule, starting with um, Atlanta, whose defense can be – you know, the level of traffic cones <laughs> quite often. So, like, they get some soft starts in there, but eventually they're going to have to figure out how to integrate him in, and then it'll be the same thing next year. I mean, 
they've developed this culture of how they want to play. And Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant play a different way. They're kind of their own guys. It's going to be interesting to see how all that meshes. Understood. Uh, a team that's looking at a similar situation, at least for the next month, is the 76ers. Because Joel Embiid banged up his hand the other day, uh, played through it, then had it looked at, and then decided, oh, he's got to get surgery. So it's going to be at least two weeks for sure, and then they're going to reevaluate, which means they could wait another two weeks on top of it. Could miss a month. And, yep. oh, by the way, Sixers' first game without him, uh, very impressive win. Ben Simmons playing a lot more low-post stuff than out on the perimeter, and it worked quite well. They're going to adjust to without playing without Embiid, and just when they get good at it, Embiid's going to come back and they're going to have to readjust to playing with Embiid. How do teams best handle it when their superstar is going to be out for a significant period of time? In the case of Philly, they need to keep winning games. This is a situation where they can't afford to fall too far back. I mean, they're, they're already, you know, and it, they're too close to being in danger of losing home court in the first round to, to, to mess around. They've got to get some wins together. And they've got, and this is why they got Al Horford, right? I mean, to, to play with but, uh, Joel Embiid, but if you remember the playoffs last year, and it was been this way, honestly, parts of this season too, a lot of this season. When Joel Embiid sits there, often they just come apart. I mean, they were so bad in the playoffs last year, and it hasn't been demonstrably better this year. And this is what they needed. They need for when Embiid sits, you know, look, Al Horford's there. Like you said, you can move Ben Simmons inside. There's more room for him to operate inside. The thing is, it's like you said, it's just a very different style of play. And it's going to be interesting by the time he gets back and really gets functioning again, We'll be at the trade deadline, and Philly's being really aggressive looking at shooters. I mean, they're looking at uh, they, for everyone from Andre Iguodala, who's a little more defensive-minded, but, I mean, Langston Galloway now and Luke Kennard from, from uh, Detroit and a bunch of other guys, just, just shooters. If you can shoot, Evan Fournier, they're looking at finding shooting, and that's going to add to that adjustment. And it, They've got a lot of work to do to figure out who they are and how they're going to play before they get to the postseason. Um, they match up. They match up well with Milwaukee. I mean, they beat them on Christmas. They match up kind of well, but they've got to get more floor spacing, or it's just not going to work. You mentioned a couple of guys who the Sixers may have interest in trading for. I'll give you my take, and maybe it's just me. With less than a month to go from the trade deadline, I'm getting less buzz on deals this year than previous seasons. Last year, the last four or four years, yeah. the last six years, eight years. Uh, a, am I right about that? And B, why do you think it is if that's the case? A, a couple of reasons. A, there's just there's a lot of teams that might we thought might be sellers that really aren't because they're kind of in the mix for a playoff spot. Um, the, the the bottom end of both conferences, you know, even the West, you know, you're going to somebody below 500 is going to get in, and suddenly that opens the door. And some teams that uh, you know. Phoenix isn't going to be selling. Um, Sacramento isn't necessarily going to be selling unless you really overwhelm them, except for uh, Dwayne Dedman, who desperately wants out. Um, so there's fewer sellers, but the other part is just nobody really has, outside of Atlanta, nobody has cap space. Nobody can take on your bad contract to facilitate a deal. And so that's, that's tightening up the market a lot. There's just, it's, you're right, there's not going, I mean, there's a lot of buzz and there's always a lot of rumors and talk going on. But I don't know that we're going to see as many deals um, as we have in previous years. And that said, the other part of that is the reason I keep hearing from some executives that there might be is, uh, man, this summer's free agent class is horrible. It just it's dead. I mean, we're talking about Andre Drummond and Brandon Ingram as this kind of, and you've got, you know, Brandon Ingram's a restricted guy. But I mean, 
those are kind of the biggest names. There isn't a, an AA list guy on this list this summer. So if you can go get somebody, they might, teams might be willing to spend a little or make moves at the deadline only because they're not going to be able to make moves this summer. All right, then do me a favor and do my listening audience a favor because the trade deadline comes and goes, and if your team doesn't do something and then all of a sudden you win a cup, how did we not do it? We could actually be a contender. I can hear the fan bases rumbling. Everyone believes that they're going to be saved by the buyout market, that there'll be a couple yeah, of yeah. veteran guys that come out and become available, and we can convince them to come to us. <laughs> Explain for the people how the buyout market works. First, you got to have a team that's willing to let a guy buy out. Then you got to right. negotiate the buyout. Then he's joining a new team, and he gets some new money, but some of it is counted against his extra. How does the yeah. whole buyout market work? It is essentially a chance for a team to save cash, right? Um, and I'm going to use the name everybody knows, even though I do not believe he will be bought out because I believe he'll be traded. But everybody knows Andre Iguodala and is more familiar with that situation. So we'll go there. If, hypothetically, somebody doesn't step up and trade for him, um, then he will probably you – know, he hasn't given back money. The reason he hasn't been bought out yet and isn't somewhere else is that he likes the checks. He's got really big checks coming in. I want to say he's making – he's in the teens. I'm going to go blank. I want to say 13 or 14 million this year. I'm, I'm not positive on the number off the right. top of my head. He's just not giving that money up. But what he will do when we get to the deadline is if he gets past the deadline and he's going to get bought out, he will give up – the prorated amount of so if he's making twelve million and he signed with another team and they would pay him one, he'll sign for eleven. You know, he'll he'll buy out for you know. I'll let you take. I'll let you save a million dollars for a team like Memphis. For a lot of teams that aren't basically, if you're not making Lakers, Knicks, you know, Warriors kind of money at the gate, then that million dollars, that two million dollars you save off the bottom line matters. And so those teams save money then those players sign a veteran minimum contract or sometimes for a little bit more if a team has a, a you know part of their mid-level exception left or something. But usually it's for the minimum. They sign with a team, usually a contender, uh, and they jump in. And so in the case of Andre Iguodala, uh, I've heard he's been linked to the Lakers. I know the Clippers have come up in other names. I can, you know, he would go somewhere to a contender to help them finish out the season, and he could kind of choose where he wanted to go. Once he's bought out, he's a free agent and can land anywhere he wants. Now, does he get the double dip if he's if there's a team that's got, as you say, extra money left under the cap? Can he make above and beyond whatever less it is he's taking in the buyout? I'm going to say off the top of my head, I believe the answer to that is yes. I should, I should I'd like that's the kind of thing I would double check against the uh, salary cap. Okay, um, I believe he can, but it's usually written in that like you know by the time somebody's getting bought out, you kind of know where he's going. Like the, the, that player is getting bought out because player, you know, in, in, let's, let's say Iguodala, for example, if he's getting bought out, he already knows he's going to the Lakers, right? And everybody knows the Lakers can only offer the minimum, so you know what the number is going in. Um, and the, every team has their cap, guys. So in theory, I think you could do that. In practice, I'm not sure it would actually work. Fair enough. Um, I, I'm going to say something that's going to sound really strange and really weird, and I don't know, I almost don't believe I'm going to say it, but... I think LeBron James is having an underrated season. That because Giannis is doing what he's doing with the Bucs and they've got the best record in the NBA, and James Harden is putting up all-time type numbers, and Anthony Davis is uh, running right there as as high in an MVP-type status thing as LeBron is, 
I don't think LeBron is actually getting the credit and your acknowledgement of the year that he's having. I didn't think that was humanly possible for a guy named LeBron James, yet I'm feeling it this way. Am I just overreacting? No, I don't think so. I, I think that there actually is maybe a little something to that, and, you know, considering how much they're on TV. Like, I, I do think people realize he's good, but I don't think people realize, realize how good, and, and I'm with you. I'm you know, this week, and I'm not alone. I'm sure you're just gonna, a lot of people are going to do this. But this Thursday, we're coming out with our uh, midseason awards because that's going to be right about the middle of the season for um, the NBA. So we'll come out with our midseason awards. And I started working on my MVP vote, and I kind of have Doncic fourth. But I mean, between LeBron, Giannis, and Harden, it's splitting hairs. And you've got to remember, LeBron is taking on a lot. He's, just out here, I'm based out in LA. I've, you know, I went to a lot of games the last few years. He is so much more active on the defensive end this year. He is so much. Now, part of it is he's got Anthony Davis to play um, backstop a little bit, so he can be a little more aggressive on on you know playing free safety, which is what he likes to do. But he's playing so well and so much more active than we've seen. This is the most active I've seen him on the defensive end since Miami. Um, it's really been impressive. So, and I, part of that is I think he realizes. He realizes this is a shot, right? Like he's got a couple of years with him and Anthony Davis and, and whatever they, you know, Danny Green and whatever they can put around them. Um, not tonight, all three of those guys are out. But um, in general, like the, you've got a shot the next couple of years, and that's about it, right? Like he, this is if he's going to win one more ring, if he's going to cement the legacy and win with the Lakers, like it's got to be in the next two or three years. It's got to be now. And he's playing like a guy who's got to win now, and he's right in the mix. And I don't know if everybody's really grasped how good a throwback kind of year, Miami kind of year he's having. Correct. You and I are on the same page. All right, you mentioned Anthony Davis. We don't read anything into the fact that he turned down a max no. extension, that he's not 100% happy in L.A. He just knows that if he waits another couple of months and gets to the end of the year, he can tack another year on the back end, right? Yeah, well, first off, Jay Bag, much like you, he doesn't need $146 million. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know what it is? Uh, it is exactly that. It's it's just getting more money. He, by the way, don't expect – I wrote this the other – don't expect him to actually take five years. What he'll do is, uh, for two reasons, he'll take the, a two-plus-one, three-year deal with an opt-out after two. In part, it's – look, it's out of the LeBron James, Rich Paul playbook. Which playbook, is right. on the organization. Like, keep, keep pressure on the organization. And, yes, it's the Lakers, or and they can get guys, and, you know, they, they come with a certain prestige. But – you want to keep pressure on the organization, especially look, LeBron is at some point going to fade and retire. Uh, clearly not this year, but right at some point they're going to have to adapt to it, to a post LeBron world. And you want to keep pressure on them. The other thing is in two years, he reaches 10 years of service and then he gets 35% of the cap automatically. So I, he, he gets a pay bump. So it's like you wait two years, then you re-sign for five, and you take the big cash then. And then, and that'll be even more money because I, I, I imagine that in two years the salary cap will probably have creeped up a little bit again. Pretty good position to be in if you're Anthony yeah, Davis. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, I mean, you're betting on yourself a little bit. Um, so a lot of guys have taken that money. Kevin Love, other guys in the past have like, no, I'll take the money now because if you've got any kind of injury history, you might think about it. But I think Davis, I'd be surprised. He's worked so hard to get to L.A. that, that the Lakers are betting on him as the next guy. I don't. I'd be surprised if he... He'll sign a two-plus-one and then, you know, stick around and chase titles for a couple of years. And he has had a couple of injuries in his career. I wouldn't call him injury-prone, but he's had his fair share of injuries. Uh, a little he, nervy you know, to do he, what he's you know, doing, he's but... 
he always gets those minor ones, right? Like right. Knicks, like he misses a week here or a couple games there. It's never, it's um, it's not tends not to be the the you know twenty five game thing. It tends to be three games here, five games here type of thing. Which can add up, but uh, the only yeah. thing that's going to add up is his bank account at the end of this. We yeah. can agree on that. Exactly. Great, great stuff. Exactly. I promise not to wait as long as I did this time. That's my yeah. bad. It's not going to happen again. We'll talk to you again soon enough. I look forward to it, man. Take care. Kurt Heelan, uh, lead writer for the NBA, uh, for NBCSports.com, hopping on with us here on CBS Sports Radio. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.